And we welcome you into the Dog Bowl here in Maria, Ohio. It is Jason Gibbs. It's Andrew Gribble. It is the best podcast available. It's a Wednesday here in Berea, the day before Thanksgiving. And we are one day closer to Browns-Steelers Part 2. We all know the storylines, and we all know what's at stake between these two teams. But first things first, our Cleveland Browns-Gribs have a three-game winning streak, including a very, very impressive win over a Miami Dolphins team that, frankly, they should have beaten the way that they ended up being beaten. Yeah, and it was, it was the ideal performance you wanted, and it reminded me a lot of the game last year in Cincinnati where you, you just jump on the team, score when you're supposed to score, then maybe take your foot off the gas a little bit, uh, kind of wake yourself back up and, and kind of put the team away and, and let it let it go on like that. The second blowout of the year the Browns have had, second time this year you gave up a garbage touchdown at the end to make the margin closer. So really, you look at it, this was a 20-plus point win uh, if you want to look at it that way. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a good game to get in your system before going to Pittsburgh. I mean, there's no reason to feel down in, in a winning effort, especially one where you won so convincingly. So I, I think this team's in a good spot uh, going into the biggest game of the year. What was the biggest – not the biggest. What was the best part of Sunday's win for you? I think just the efficiency uh, that they showed in the red zone. I think that that made them uh, – that was maybe the one hurdle that they were still trying to get over. And I know that they had some success in the red zone uh, against the Steelers. But you just got – once you got inside that 20-yard line, you put, you turned those into touchdowns. Second half, you had some issues there a little bit where you had to settle for some field goals. But – it's just the the comfort and success that you had in the red zone, and really over these last three games, ever since the Rashard Higgins touchdown at the end of the Bills game, this has been a much better team inside the twenty yard line. And I think it. Everyone keeps saying run the ball inside the twenty yard line. And I think that almost reached a point of too much, where I think that now you're you're seeing them run some passing plays in the red zone that just have a lot higher success rate, uh, and and this team is just is executing better inside the twenty. Yeah, I thought execution-wise they were good. You mentioned that third quarter. We got a little nervous, just a little bit, but at at the end of the day, they'd made the plays when they needed to. They stepped up. They regained the momentum. Uh, It it comes down to you got to play clean and not turn the football over. And, And Baker has been really good since the bye week with that. You know, unfortunately, a a bad throw, maybe a bad route as well, and – Ended up, you know, being a little bit of a swing there, and you can't have that Sunday against the Steelers. But it was one of those situations where it was good to see them not fold up and keep the pressure going and keep keep on the Dolphins. It was one of those games where I think that if you look back on it, the, the team could have scored on every drive. I mean, they the 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 second drive of the game was your only punt, and that was because of a bad snap that made you lose twenty yards. And I think that was really. Uh, you were probably poised to score on that drive as well. They were moving the ball pretty well uh, up until that point. So it was just offense clicking at a level that we haven't seen all year. And, and again, I know everyone brings up the opponent, but you know this this was an offense that wasn't going to be doing that against the Dolphins earlier in the season. I think some things are starting to make some more sense. Uh, but going into this week, it's just uh, such a bigger challenge. You remember how tough it was to get points uh, against the Steelers uh, just a couple weeks ago. And then you throw in the fact that the Steelers are just a much better team at Heinz Field, and that's what makes this such a challenge. It really is amazing when you take a look at the numbers. Uh, and, and Freddie alluded to it earlier today in his press conference. The difference, uh, the difference that they are when they're not at Heinz Field as opposed to when they are home. Uh, 
a really, really tough team to beat at Heinz Field, and not just because of that Renegade song that makes an appearance in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they've re- they've really only had a couple, like one good road performance all year, and that was against the Chargers, where their defense dominated that game uh, and made things easier for Devlin Hodges. Uh, but yeah, I mean, at home is where you've seen all these kind of signature dominant performances by this defense, especially since Minka Fitzpatrick was there. Cause they had that first home game of the season without Fitzpatrick, uh, and Russell Wilson just had his way with them and, and scored a ton of points. But ever since Fitzpatrick's joined them and they've played at home, it's been a deadly combination and, and teams just aren't te- offenses just malfunction. They're, they're getting turnovers. They're getting sacks in a huge way. Uh, and they're just a really, really good home team right now. We'll talk more about the Steelers matchup and the offense. I do want to go back to the defensive effort on Sunday. This Browns team, you know, they promote two guys from the practice squad from uh, to play defense and play meaningful snaps in the defensive football game. Uh, you know, you're you're playing without Ogunjobi. You know, you're going to be without Miles. No Olivier Vernon. Uh, no Morgan Burnett. And yet, this team and it was the opponent. Take that into account, but. The defense came to play, and when they needed to make plays, led by superstar Joe Schobert on the defensive side of the football, uh, they got things done when they needed to. Yeah, I'll start with the back end first, because I think that losing Morgan Burnett is is huge, but and I think it's more huge in terms of what you can do defensively, because I just don't think you can play the three-safety look that you wanted to play as much uh, as you'd like. But Justin Burris has played really well since he got here, and he he's really not a true strong safety. He's a free safety that used to be a cornerback. So you're, you're basically out there with two free safeties, uh, but Justin Burris was out there every snap, nearly had a pick six. He's he's just – the thing he has been since he's been here is he's around the ball, and he's always making plays around the ball. Uh, I imagine there's some some mistakes here and there, but he he's held his own, and I think if he can stay healthy out there with Randall, that's not a bad area. But defensive line I thought was good. I thought there were a lot of moments where there just was no pass rush, and I think that that's just something sure. that's going to happen when you're down as many guys as they are. And I, I, I told a few people this. I think, and this is crazy to say, I think the Browns shut out the Dolphins if they have Miles, Larry, and and all their guys on defense. I really do because I think the the Dolphins really only got their big plays when Fitzpatrick had a ton of time in the pocket or when he was able to make plays with his feet. I just don't see those plays happening with Miles Garrett and everyone else out there. But needless to say, it was a very good effort from Chad Thomas. I, I thought I liked what I saw from Brian Cox. Porter Gustin got in on a sack. I mean, it's it it'll be interesting to see who is the guy that plays – a decent amount against the Steelers, especially if Vernon can't come back. I mean, that's the that that'd be your big question because we saw a little bit of Sheldon Richardson at defensive end. I don't know if that's your long term solution. I think they did it half and half uh, in this previous game, but uh, I think I, I liked enough of what I saw from Brian Cox that I think they'll be all right. It, it, it's just, it, but as evidenced even against the Dolphins, there's no replacing uh, a Miles Garrett. I mean, it just or, it just it just looks Olivia different. Vernon. Yeah, it just looks different out there. You you, you weren't. I think Miles Garrett could have been a complete game wrecker against one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. That's what makes this week a little a little nervy because the the Steelers have a really good offensive line. And Miles had his way with Alejandro Villanueva, who's one of the better tackles in the league. It's going to be a bigger challenge for Chad Thomas to do the same. Yeah. Uh, I think Sheldon Richardson played an outstanding game, and you can't question his heart and effort for what he gave this past week. And you wonder if he can continue to play at that high a level playing out of position essentially 
although he was a defensive end when he first came into the league. But, mm. you know, now he's playing inside. A lot is being asked of him, and, and hopefully he can continue to, to play at the level that he played at on Sunday. The other guy on defense that I thought has really played well since he came back, and it was so nice to finally get him back, and he's played the part since. Denzel Ward is a totally different player than what we saw from the start of the year. Yeah, he was struggling a little bit at the start of the season, but for him, I thought his struggles were relative. I mean, I've seen enough bad cornerback play here for years that his struggles were still – he's a, still a really good corner, but now he's basically a shutdown kind of guy, and that, that's that's forcing teams to, to throw a lot at Greedy, and I think Greedy's handled the challenge all right. I think when you're getting thrown at as much as Greedy's gonna is getting thrown at because of the way Denzel's covering, you're gonna give up some plays. I mean, it's just inevitable. So I think that Greedy's gonna have some moments where he has to pick himself up confidence wise, but he's been solid. I mean, he doesn't look like a rookie out there. It just looks like a pick that you, you pretty much hit on the fact that he's a second round guy and he's basically just been plugged in as your starter, uh, even though he missed those four games. I mean, he's just been really good. And I, I think that that's helped kind of stem the, the bleeding a little bit on this defense that is just down so many guys, but but it's still playing at a pretty decent level. Yeah, playing at a decent level indeed. All right, before we get to the Steelers, what is going on with the Bermuda Triangle known as the dog pound end of the field and kicking field goals or extra points? Everyone said, it it's, is. Everyone said it's tough. It's always been tough. And I just wonder what something – has something structurally changed this year at the stadium? I'm trying to put my, my finger on yeah. it. I just know that you – you can't get a read on the wind. And I think that the the numbers, I believe it's now 3 of 10 for, for kickers. Every single one of Austin Seibert's misses this season has come in that end of the field, both kicks and extra points. He's made everything else uh, at every other stadium and, and the other end of the stadium. It's just the wind, and I think it, it – there are, I think, a couple that were just missed that would have been missed no matter what. But it's just a weird thing that now it's almost like you have to – bank it into your strategy and I I, I yeah. saw that the Browns made it so it was their first quarter and third quarter end zone and I think that that's I don't I know that you didn't need it in the fourth quarter but that's setting yourself up for we don't you don't want to be kicking in that end of the stadium in a close game in the fourth quarter I think it's just as simple as that yeah it, so strange for, for for what's going on down there and uh I mean, Mike Prefer said they're working on it every week and Jason Sanders kick uh, from the Dolphins that he made barely got in I mean, it, it barely got in, and it was that was a pretty short kick. I mean, that yeah. that was it, I I thought we were seeing it, going about to see another miss there. Yeah, it pretty uh, it's pretty crazy what's going on on that side, and, and frankly, it will be a tough test for Austin Seibert coming up on Sunday, going toward the city. Yeah, uh, that's also a very tricky part of the field, the Heinz Field to to kick from. So yeah, and it's a game where you're going to need these kicks a little more probably. Yeah, I was going to say. All right, we take a look now at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, it's only been two weeks, but uh, – A lot's changed. A, a lot has changed. And first things first, Mason Rudolph's not the starting quarterback. And uh, Mr. Hodges will be stepping in. Duck Hodges, or however they want to call him these days, will be stepping in and playing quarterback. He started one other game. He started earlier this year against those Chargers that we talked about. Uh and it was a very pedestrian game, and they went back to Mason Rudolph you know, the following week. No one really knows what to expect. We don't know if Juju is going to be playing. Uh, Connor's still dinged up, and th this offense, you know, they're without Pouncey. The, the offense, not so great, but that Steeler defense still just 
churning out big plays, uh, as evidenced last week against Cincinnati. And the, the defense for them was so huge in the game the Hodges had to start earlier this year in the, against the Chargers, where it just basically put the Chargers in a hole early that they couldn't get out of. Uh, so that's that's what you have to prevent from happening. You you don't you want to put this guy in a hole the way you put Mason Rudolph in a hole early in that game and and make them play from behind because looking at it now, I mean, I don't know what's going on internally there. I mean, odds are you're they're probably going to be without Connor and Smith Schuster for this game. That's sure. why that's what it's looking like. I, I saw the, a tweet earlier today that uh, Smith Schuster's wearing a huge knee brace and not looking like he's going to be practicing. I mean, that's a big loss. I think Connor's an even bigger loss for them. Because they didn't even go with uh, Jalen Samuels last week, they went with a guy I'd, I'd never even heard of. I mean, it's from yeah. uh, he must have been a practice squad guy or something. And and Benny Snell, who's a rookie, they just they just don't have much firepower on offense. But they're healthy on defense, and they're very dangerous on defense. And I, I think simply just doing what you did last time without turning the ball over. I mean, that's that that's that's your key to success right there. You just have to play it, uh, play a, a good clean game. And let your live to punt, shift the field as much as you can, and put them in tough spots. Because you know, outside of that one deep pass that he had to James Washington, where Washington abused that that Bengals cornerback on the way into the end zone, he didn't really do much else. He was four or ten on the rest of his passes for just a, chunk, a handful of yards. I mean, this guy's. I know we we are, we're grown to fear these no name quarterbacks because a lot of these no name quarterbacks have beat the Browns in in recent years, but. You know, there's a reason that Mason Rudolph was a third-round pick and this guy was undrafted at Sanford. I mean, this is something you should be able to take advantage of. You just have to not be your own worst enemy. Well, and I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Commit less turnovers than they do. Yeah, that's all you have <laughs> I to mean, do. It's not even you – know, the chances of you turning the football over on this defense are, are, are good. Yeah. You know, let's be honest. It's a really good defense. It's not necessarily the our offense prone to making mistakes. It's they have a really good defense that have a knack for getting the football, especially at home. But if you commit less turnovers and your turnovers come at opportune times like ours did two weeks ago on Thursday night, you know, with Schobert and his two picks, it led to points, it led to scores, and that was enough where if you get out by double digits – going to be really hard for Pittsburgh to come back. Yeah, and it's just that they're lacking firepower. And I think the pouncy loss is huge. I think if they could have traded for it, they would have preferred Rudolph be suspended and not, not pouncy. I mean, he's, sure. he's a huge part of their offensive line, uh, but they're still pretty good on the offensive line. I think they're going to be fine. And I think that the the potential loss that the Browns are facing now in their offensive line is much more significant than the, than the loss that, that Pouncey has with, with the news today that, that Greg Robinson's in, in the concussion protocol. Yeah, so let's talk about that because we literally were sitting down to start this podcast when we got the news that Greg Robinson reported to the facility this morning with concussion-like symptoms, was immediately placed into protocol, and obviously his status now in doubt for Sunday, in I wouldn't Pittsburgh. say it's good. No, if you report on Wednesday with it, I mean it's, that's that's a t- that's a quick quick turnaround to get I, out of the protocol. I just I take a look at the situation. And this offensive line has been playing well, yeah, and, and doing a nice job. And right now, it's I, I, I do you go McCray? Who do you? I would imagine McCray. I think that's probably the the likeliest. Kendall Lamb hasn't been suited up since week one. No, and, and I mean while he's practiced. He hasn't practiced at full strength. Yeah, uh, boy, that was that was a shocker because uh, I mean I can tell you we saw him yesterday at the uh, at the Greater Cleveland Food Bank and didn't show any signs or symptoms yeah. of anything. These things happen. Yeah, you can. I mean, you can wake up. It's happened to me, 
yeah. <laughs> where 48 hours later you wake up and you you have no idea what's going so, on. So matchup wise, that this this is you got to figure out a way to block Bud Dupree. I mean that's the guy. That's uh, T.J. Watt almost 100 percent of the time lines up against the right tackle. Uh, so it's Watt versus Hubbard, and now it's McCray potentially versus Dupree. And Dupree had a huge play in that game where where Greg kind of just whiffed on a on a third down, uh, but really wasn't much of a factor the rest of the game. I mean you pretty much you found a way to make their best defensive players non factors in that last game. It's going to be hard to do that again, uh, but you're going to have to figure out ways to to block these guys, and it, that that's going to put more stress on guys like Demetrius Harris. I think that are going to be, have to be there helping uh, potentially, you know, Stephen Carlson, Ricky Sills Jones, uh, if Farrell Brown is active for this game, David Njoku is active for this game. I mean, th- those are those are things that th- they'll they'll be tasked more for their blocking than they will be for their pass catching. Well, and I would even say Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in the backfield yeah. all of a sudden become those stop gaps in case someone does get free and it might take away a little bit from their offensive production and we've seen some really good production from those two guys I, I didn't think McCray was a problem in the Patriots game I think he had one moment where he probably gave up a sack and a, and a costly penalty there in that game I, I know his PFF grade wasn't great from that performance but I didn't I didn't watch that game thinking he was a liability sure so I think that's that's what you have to to try to go into this just figuring out ways to to protect your quarterback because they're going to be coming for him what have you seen that to you is the biggest change in Baker Mayfield's play since the bye week I think he's more accurate I think that's the that's the the easiest one he's been more accurate I think he's been more decisive we're not seeing any of those double clutches uh, that he's been doing that he had that was a problem early on in the in the season and I also I I'll, I'll give some credit to and he, I know he was improving before this, but the addition of Cream Hunt to this offense is just given him another kind of weapon that is right up his alley with quick passes, quick decisions, getting the ball in his playmakers' hands and letting them them do what they do. And I think that's been uh, huge for him. Cream Hunt didn't have a huge a big presence in the passing game this past week, but he didn't need to. I mean, you you Jarvis and Odell were running free all over the place. That's not going to happen this week. They're going to be up against much better corners, uh, much better safeties. I mean, so this is another opportunity where Kareem Hunt made one of the biggest plays of the game against the Steelers uh, the previous uh, time they played where he caught that 20-yard pass on third down, set up the first touchdown of the game, and you never trail from that point. So it's just a matter of this guy is is a quick, fast option for Baker in the passing game that I think really has opened everything else up for the offense. And I just imagine it, Freddie Kitchens has talked about it, guys are maybe in their places more than they were beforehand. I think there's been yeah. more of attention to detail with the wide receivers, the tight ends. They're making plays. Uh, and I think Baker, especially on a couple of his red zone throws, he's putting trust in his wide receivers to go out and make plays. The Carlson catch, Jarvis's second touchdown this past week, those were 50-50 balls that he's trusting his wide receivers to make, and they're making them. Yeah, an impressive, impressive effort from Jarvis Landry last week. Also good to see Odell get into the end zone. Just one of those confidence games that maybe you need after a tough game against Pittsburgh and after you know the, the matchup with Buffalo that was, that was tough offensively to get going. Good to just get it going, air it out, score some points, know that you can score some points going into, uh, going into a game that – you know, Tony Dungy said it earlier this week on NBC Sunday Night Football telecast. He said, I think the winner of this game is in to the playoffs. I think the loser's out. I can't go that far. I, I, I can't go that far with either early. team. I can't go that far with either team because I, I think it's more of an elimination game than it is a uh, you're, in. you're in the playoffs. Because yeah. I think that even if Pittsburgh wins, I, I still have questions about pretty much everything they're doing. 
Uh, and for the Browns, you can't just win this game and, and think you made it. You've yeah. got four more big ones the rest of the way uh, that you need. all. You, you basically, to guarantee anything, you need all of them. Yeah. And I think that and one of those is against the Ravens. Another one is a tough trip out to Arizona that's trickier than you might think. Man, that's why got Dalton back I'll, lean, I'll lean more towards this being an elimination game than I'll lean toward it being you're in the playoffs if you win this game. All right, if the Browns are to win Sunday at Heinz Field, they must do what? I think they've got to force a few turnovers. I, and I, I think because I, I, can't, I can't just safely predict your offense is going to go zero turnovers again in this game, but you've got to force turnovers and, and make the Steelers pay for having an undrafted quarterback, a rookie quarterback. I mean, it's just – They've done an amazing job to get to six and five at this point without Ben Roethlisberger. At some point, you just have to make the guy make rookie mistakes. I get that he's given them a spark, but sometimes those wear off. We've seen that in Cleveland a, a lot of times where you, uh, you throw in a, a Cody Kessler for a game against the Dolphins. He plays really well, and then eventually they come down to earth. Yeah. You want this to be the come down to earth game uh, for for a guy that the Steelers never in a million years anticipated playing in meaningful games this year, you cannot allow him time to throw the football though. Yeah. Like as good as our DBs are playing and, and Greedy's been playing well, they really came after him two weeks ago. They really tried testing him. Rudolph really went at him, uh, and he played very well. Stepped up as good as the DBs are playing. And if a quarterback's got five minutes to throw the football, he's going to find someone at some point. Yeah, the game where he was the starter, everything was short. So you've yep. got to just you've got to figure out a way to to stop the the short passing game that the Steelers are going to try to create. I think them not potentially not having Connor is a huge loss for them because uh, he's a really good player, and I think that that's hopefully to your advantage where they can't rely on that short passing game because they they might not have anyone they trust to do that kind of stuff. All right, it is rivalry weekend. You got Buckeyes Wolverines on Saturday. You got Browns and Steelers on Sunday. We are taking the bus. And we're driving ourselves over to Pittsburgh in a battle with the Steelers in an elimination game for Andrew Gribble, for uh, me, Jason Gibbs. <laughs> yeah, how about that? I'm used to normally uh, <laughs> having two or three people in here. This has been the best podcast available. Make sure you log on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe today. Like us and become a part of the best podcast available family. Thanks again. Have a great Thanksgiving. Be safe out there, and we will talk to you next week on the best podcast available.